はい、ストセーダブルビル、ダブルビル、コンペーリンコンチュー、イッツダブルビル、プリンチューティングスティケザー、イッツダブルビル、イッツダブルビル。ゴスティケザー、like chocolate and peanut butter, like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, like a hamburger and a bun, like baby ducks and staple guns, record scratch! Double bill, double bill, comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill, it's double bill. Hi, this is Double Bill, and this is Brian Watson Jones. And I'm Mike Apostle. Joshua Humphrey, this. Yoroshiku gozaimasu. We're going to see how long you can keep that up.、Yeah. Well, this time we'll be going through The Seven Samurai and The Magnificent Seven. This was my choice, so I think I now have to justify it. Sugoi, ne! I assume that means yes. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> And there we go. Hi, Iku! So, I chose this because it's the same basic plot.、Uh, Magnificent Seven is a remake of Seven Samurai, very directly, very honestly.、Uh, but it's cross genre, it's cross cultural. And I wanted to see what an examination of that would turn out. So, how do you think it turned out? I think it turned out pretty well. Ah, I think it turned out, it turned out very well. In Japanese. Ah, sugoi yo. Mike, how do you feel? Wonderful. <laughs> In bad Japanese? Wonderful. 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 You're just、uh, going to introduce yourself over and over again. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> My shitty Japanese wears out quickly. It's okay. I mean, you just learned your Japanese from where? From, kendo. from Kendo and Karate. That's okay. I only、right. lived there for three years. See, he lived there. <laughs> right. Well, then my American kicks ass. <laughs> All right. So, go、uh, we're going to start with the Seven Samurai, right? Yes. yes. Why That's、not? the order I watched in that. I don't know about、uh, both of you. Well, well, you were with me. Yeah. Yep. Unless I、so、blotted you, you out. Right. Yes. So, <laughs> for those seven hours of that time. So, and then I'm, I, I would like to poke some questions at you, Josh,、uh, from, from your.、Uh, Gaijin abroad. Sure. I'll is, try to answer that. Right. No, I'm in in, in、uh, English, please. Also, we're, in, we're doing a triple bill with Gung Ho.、Um, huh. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, my first question is because、uh, you guys had the benefit of the actual pure double bill, like we did with、mm-hmm. the first one. And I watched them in reverse order, which I have you know, different feelings. Sure, you went、it. back in time. Went back、yes. in time.、Uh, what was your. I mean, what was your. I mean, I told you about my history previously. What was your history with these two movies that like, really set you off?、Mm. Like, you, really, like, you, you chose them, but what was, the, what was the deep-rooted impetus? Do you have like, a history with these movies?、Uh, you... I have a history. It's not a very fascinating history that lends itself to deep stories that expose my true inner self. Damn it.、Uh, but it is a history. All right. Yeah, we'll have to go to, I guess, Missing Action 2, the beginning, to get the true stories of my inner self.、Um, this, I'd seen Seven Samurai a decade ago, a little more. Uh, just because I got into a Kurosawa kick when I was in college because he's great. And Magnificent Seven followed on the heels of that because I asked somebody for Seven Samurai for <clears> Christmas <throat> and they gave me the wrong one. So, All right. there we、that's、are. That's not a bad, though. No, no, it, it was, there are worse things that yeah, could have happened. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, but it's still one of those like, oh, I ended up with this one by accident. Well, if you're talking about history, I have no, I've never seen either of these films before. Which surprises me. I'd seen Yojimbo.、Mm. Uh, I had not seen The Seven Samurai. I, I ha- actually, having lived in Japan, I, they don't sit around watching classic Japanese movies all the time. Right. Unless、yes. they're Godzilla films. Oh, well, see, that's the that's, real classic. And also, I wasn't,、uh, I lived in Okinawa, which is sort of apart from Japanese culture a little、right. bit. 
it. Okay. That's where so, Mr. Miyagi's from. Yes, that is. It's, I mean, it's the birthplace of karate. So It is. Uh, because the Japanese oppressed them and they had to use their farming implements. Right. <laughs> That's why. They, yeah. <laughs> History is I'm fun. I'm extraordinarily happy that, that Joshua knows that. That makes me really happy. Well, sure. It's part of Okinawan pride. The Okinawans are very uh, prideful people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're tonfa. And they're awesome. I still find it hard to believe people dug holes with sai, but there we are. <laughs> well, there you go. No, they dug yeah. holes with sai. They had the, their threshers ended up becoming kama, mm-hmm. and uh, they even used tortoise shells for shields. It was kind of cool. Huh. <laughs> so, okay, well, no. You're I, a nerd. I am. I'm a martial nerd. No, no. So, again, with growing up, my, my genre was, I mean, people are like kung fu films. You know, you always hear right, about right. Tarantino and pulling that shit out of his ass. In the 80s, in the early 80s, it was ninja movies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so... Well, yeah, it well, got I, crazy with Ninja. We, we, had, we, had Jim, crazy. we had Jim Cotta in the 80s. We had Jim Cotta, but we also had Lee Van Cleef, another Western star, playing the master in a Ninja television show, mm-hmm. right? I know, goofy stuff like that. Uh, we had all of these Osho Kasugi televi- like movies. Ninja, 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 Ninja everywhere. You know, Michael fucking Dudikoff was a ninja, and that, and that guy was in Bachelor Party. So I was more along the, on, on the Ninja Japanese Budo kick you know, samurai kick versus the kung fu. Like well before I got into like understanding of what the kung fu movies were, and still I never ever sat down with a Kurosawa movie like this one. Even though I had watched The Magnificent Seven with my my uncles, hmm. with my dad, we were all kind of a gunfighter, gunslinger movie family. So we watched all the westerns, the John Ford westerns, all the way up John Wayne, and Magnificent Seven was just. My parents would always say, "This is an example of a cool western." Quote fingers. Um, he did totally quote fingers. I yeah. totally did it. And I knew The Seven Samurai for a long time was the impetus for that movie, but I had never seen it. And the only thing I'd ever seen really of Kurosawa, besides knowing he was a prolific and epic filmmaker, was like probably half an hour of Ran on Showtime in 1987. Yeah, wow. And, you know, because you're just like, this makes no sense. And he's like, it's beautiful. I'm like, it's boring when you're 13 years old, right? Right. So that's that's fascinating. And so now... And you'd need, and you'd see neither of them. And so, I think we need to get into summarizing these because I mean, all right, Seven Samurai is like two hundred seven minutes long. There's yeah. a lot that happens in this. We film. will summarize it in real time. Um, <laughs> well, first, the film opens up on it opens with an usually long title sequence. It does open up with a long title sequence. It does. But it opens up on a small village, doesn't it? With uh, Kambe is yeah. his name, and it's... he's cutting his hair, and the villagers are all around him. No, that that's later on. It's no, a little yeah. bit later on, yeah. Yes, they, really? You have both... to open it up in the village having problems. Oh, that's right. Before the... we switch off. Both so. of the movies actually follow the same, and we'll get into that. Yeah. But I'm looking at this thing like it's a human being. Well, you Sorry. should be looking at it. Yeah. Um, because you need to catch your way. voice. Both of them start off with it's like talking the... to a plant. So we look at both these movies start off with the same, the same issue at hand, which is you've got... The villagers are being oppressed by a gang, a gang of ne'er-do-wells. Mm-hmm. And then the ne'er-do-wells, for benefit of us, the viewer, state what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And what they're going to do is, we're going to come back and get your shit. But we're going to ride off for a little while and let you think about what you can do to get more shit. Or mm-hmm. something. Or maybe get seven... Samurai or gunfighters or whatever. Well, I, I mean, the, A Bug's Life is just a retelling of The Seven Samurai. It is. And it begins that exact same way. The grasshoppers come, tell them what they're going to do, and then mm-hmm. they... Yeah. Same it's thing a, happens here. It's right. a, it, and well, it's a little more realistic in Seven Samurai, which we will summarize now. Well, yes, it is more realistic because, because the, we're talking about bugs in the other film. Well, that also. <laughs> we assume that's unrealistic. We don't speak their language. But in Seven Samurai, a bunch of wandering raiders... 
uh, wander in, look down in a village, talk about attacking it, and then realize, no, we just robbed them, they've got nothing, we'll come back when the barley's right. Somebody overhears them and goes and kicks off the whole thing. Whereas Magnificent Seven, they do actually literally ride into town and say, you better have money next time. We're going to go do stuff for a while. Right, right, right. So, You know how hard it is to feed men? It, it's expensive. <laughs> you have to hold them down and shove food down their throats with a long wooden spoon. Yeah, exactly. Wait, that's giving pills to dogs. Anyway. Um, so Peanut the villagers butter. then... Yeah, like, the villagers scrape together what they've got and send some guys off to... In, in Seven Samurai, I believe, they specifically go off to hire fighters for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in Magnificent Seven, they just go to buy guns and the plan changes halfway through. Um, so they go off, they try and find people, they have no luck because they're villagers trying to hire very... Uh, find hungry samurai. That was one of my favorite things. What do we, yeah. we find hungry samurai? Yeah, who will work what for do we food? have? Yeah. Hungry people. Yep. It, it, that's almost a koan. It was very nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they go off to find these guys. They get thrown down and kicked a lot because uh, wandering ronin, uh, masterless samurai, are generally very proud, at least in this film, probably in real life too. Uh, but they eventually find someone who... I don't know how in-depth to go in this. In the summary? In the summary. Well, I mean, you stuff can go happens, Stuff happens, it's over. You can go a little further. I mean, right. You're, you're setting up. I think that's the most important. Okay, yeah. It'll it'll go downhill pretty soon, I promise. So, they have no luck finding guys. They run across a situation that's going on. Yeah, a thief right. has taken a hostage right. in a hut. And there's a samurai who's going down to the river and shaving his head and putting on a monk's robe in order to get close enough to the hut to do something. Which is just, I love, I love that moment because it, it says without actually stating it, this guy knows what honor is and it isn't his highly symbolic haircut, which he'll just shave right off and Top miss knot. for the rest of the movie. Top yeah. knot's mm-hmm. a big deal. Which is a visible but ultimately meaningless form of honor versus going and saving a kid's life for free. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he does something off screen, which is presumably very badass. He just rushes into the hut and there's nothing and there's nothing and the thief runs out and drops dead. And then he walks out with the kid. They and the uh, villagers are quite taken with this. Yes, every, everybody who sees it is quite taken with it. There, two two other guys who become two more of our seven samurai are taken with this. Uh, one of them, Goofy Tashiro Mafune, is taken, but he's he's approaching this guy to be an ally and master in the same way like a ten year old boy approaches an eleven year old girl, <laughs> where he just sort of stares at him and walks in a semicircle yeah, kind of around him and doesn't hangs back and he yeah. Kicks so him dreamy. backwards, and then... no, he 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 wants he wants to teach her. He's like, I'm your student. Yeah, you're but my he teacher. doesn't. Yeah, and, and he, he doesn't say that. He doesn't know how to do that. Right, though. right, right. Whereas the other guy, the other man who becomes a samurai, knows exactly what to do. He runs right up to him and says, "Be my master. I want to learn from you." Mm-hmm. And the villagers hang even farther back because they're shy. Yeah. And there's also a severe class difference where if they approach to samurai talking, the samurai could theoretically just take a head off lower class. You can just kill them. Whatever. Uh, but they eventually approach the guy, and another thing I really enjoyed about this intro is they don't convince him. He isn't convinced by their story. It's very sad. He gives some advice, but he, he doesn't he doesn't commit to doing it until he sees how much they're being mocked by other guys they're staying with mm-hmm. in sort of a... It's an inn. Yeah, it's a hostel. Yeah. Whatever. Um, the two dickheads. Right. Yeah. The two douchebags and their drunken fighting friend. Yep. Sounds like a good band. So... When he sees how much they're being mocked by these guys, that's what puts him on board. I don't know if that's just because the douchebags are annoying him, too, and he wants to show them up, 
or if it's because that's what gets him the empathy with these villagers. Like, even these even these rats, who can barely afford to stay in a hostel, are higher up in class than these guys. And something about that triggers the empathy switch, which he needed to get hit, and he eventually, and he leads the the drive to get as many, as many samurai as they'll need, gathers up seven in total, eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they ride to the village, there's a series of fight scenes and such, and the movie's over. <laughs> now, the first part that Brian, Brian just described was about the first 90 minutes, and there's still two hours and 48 days to go. <laughs> two hours and 48 days? That's about it. It's the passion play we'll of We'll finish Ob- it any day now. It's like the passion play of Oberammergau. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, I mean... Honor, loyalty, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, a lot of the, the Budo code is right in there. So I think they don't, yeah. that what I liked is that, you know, even though I, I joke about the length of time, you you know, you're sort of led to understand the process as they're thinking through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there's all these segments of, like you said, they're thinking through it, but there are, there's also these moments where you get really keyed into the human drama that's going on. Yeah. Like in terms of like what convinces Kanbei in the first place is them, those other villagers mock, or those, I guess, people staying in the inn, the gambler yeah, the, or whatever. the dogs. The I think dogs. they call themselves dogs. The dogs? So mm-hmm. that's as good just as Just mocking these yeah. villagers and peasants, mm-hmm. and it's just like that moment where they are, you really feel their their pain yeah. and what they're going through and their rice is stolen at one point yep. and then there's and just like how, we, have how are we going to pay these samurai that's all they have to pay and there's like even a discrepancy between uh, the, the millet they have the, the villagers mm-hmm. have to eat millet yeah. which is <laughs> I was like what the heck is millet <laughs> right. we well, it's, this. Ba- it's basically rice husks isn't yeah. it yeah. a rice yeah. husk yeah. gruel mm-hmm. delicious right right all the vitamin A you need so it's moments like that and then like when they get to the village too I mean some of the villagers aren't really happy with them being there because their experience with samurai too previously was samurais would come into the village and just take whatever or abuse them yeah part of that whole class thing of like I'm higher than you so I get what you have and one of the villagers you know hides his daughter from the samurai which turns out not working out very well for him but (laughs) but moments like that though really emphasize what's going on in the film Mm -hmm. I think and you you know, I like, and I'll we'll get into the fact that later iterations of this kind of movie always end up bleeding into like this really sappy, like violent, heavy, like mm-hmm. the young member of the group and the young hidden daughter. All of a sudden, you know, it turns into like Mulan, like hearts happen, and then we're gonna keep our love hidden, and what's gonna happen? You don't want anything to happen to him or her, so it just, she becomes a leverage point. When they when they get to the, and the other thing I really dug about this movie, and in, in contrast to what the later one we're going to talk about is there there are vague moments in it uh, where you learn that they aren't supremely helpless, you know, right. wusses. Yeah, and 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 and, and Toshiro Mifune, the crazy one, uh, actually actually calls their shit out on it. Yeah, he knows. And he knows their mentality. Mm-hmm. And moreover, and it's just a great moment, because I didn't even think about it when they walked out. When they're walking out with, they're like, do you have anything to fight with? Anything at all? And they walk out with spears, and, and mm-hmm. you know, they got, like, helmets and some armor and some mm-hmm. other, you know, halberds and shit like that. And then they're just like, and you're just like, all right, cool, they got some stuff. Yeah, you know what? This is like, just brush it off. It's like Willow, you know, when they mm-hmm. find all that good stuff. And they're like, where'd you get it? And you're like, what do you mean where'd they get it? Right. And they're like, and Doshiro is like, you know where they got it? From freaking grabbing samurai, killing their shit, and throwing them down. Right. You know, samurai, just like you guys. Mm-hmm. So what makes you guys think that you're not expendable? And yeah, so Crazy yeah. Pants, there's, Toshiro there's, Mifune, is, is 
the voice of fucking reason here. And he's already been established as a guy that, like, golems out and catches fish with his bare hands without singing, like, sweet fish, sweet fish, you know, and shit like that. And you're just like, wow, this guy is crazy pants with, like, a 17-foot katana. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes, like, the tiny voice of reason. Uh, yeah. You were going to say, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say that, yeah, that's something I want to get into when we get into comparison, but the dark... The villagers in Seven Samurai are so much darker. There's a darkness to them. Like there's even a there's a lovely hint I didn't I didn't notice until this watch through, um, probably because I was examining it closer than just watching a movie. But when they're talking about hiring the samurai in the first place, one of the ideas that comes out is we could fight the raiders. And then someone says, no, these aren't like those lone wandering samurai. These guys are an organization. There's a lot of them. We can't win. Ooh. There's that moment of these aren't like the single wandering. So wait, does that mean you? Do win against them? You had you do fight just single guys wandering around? Yeah, it makes more sense in the context of having seen the film already. Mm-hmm. Like having never seen it before, I listened to that moment. And I was just like, oh, they're not the raiders aren't like you know the regular samurai wandering around. They're just yeah. not bad. They're yeah, not, it's just there was this yeah, they're more badass because they're not passing yeah. through. Yeah, there are a group of people they're descending and they're like. Like yeah, there was just this, them, right? this yeah. sense of familiarity. It didn't didn't feel like just a comparison. Part partly because I had seen it, I did know a little bit where it was going to go with you know a decade of forgetfulness. But this sense of familiarity of like, yeah, th- this isn't like those when you fight those one single guys and everyone goes, yeah, you're probably you're right. right. Yeah, hmm. and the audience goes, did they wait? They fucking kill just wandering dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently all. they do. Apparently as they we do. learn. Well, another thing I liked about it too it was. Uh, there was 40 raiders, and they were slowly ticking them off yes. on, the, on the paper. They were very conscientious about yeah, making sure that the they battles got all themselves. Them. There aren't a lot of. At the very end, there's a, a western western style that will fit the Magnificent Seven very well. Um, showdown where big force hits big force until one of them crumbles. But until then, it's bleeding them off. Mm-hmm. It's can we. If we fighting the main force here, can we kill two guys over here? Because then that's X percentage of how many. Yeah, they have it's left. tricking them to run into the fortifications, right? And then, uh, but not all men, killing off just men. enough that we can kill them without losing any men, and then doing it again and again and again until they give up on this one. And in the process, we'll bleed off ten percent of their force mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of okay, slam together, boom, pieces fall down, like slamming two GI Joes together when you're five. I really like how just patient the movie is, though, in terms of, like, bleeding off like that. In like It just takes its time getting there. Like, I mean, with Magnificent Seven, we'll probably talk about this later in terms of everything's much quicker. Yeah. Uh, I like... Well, it's an hour quicker. It is an hour quicker. But with this, I I just... I like it being more slow. It was better with my mentality because Mm. maybe I'm a little slow sometimes. Entertaining audio right here, boys. I had to watch it. I had to watch it in segments. I'll I admit it. I had to Mm. watch it over the course of a night, uh, two nights, just because. You know, it started after. Well, you just go until the intermission, and then you take a break. Yeah, right, right. Oh man, I wish they still did intermissions on long movies. Sometimes, yes. So we watched it though in one sitting, basically. Yeah, we did, but there was still. You get to the intermission, you realize, wow, you haven't. You don't see intermissions since I think The Godfather had one. Chitty chitty bang bang man. Schindler's List. Schindler's List had an intermission, mm-hmm. the official one. I don't remember that. So uh, good. So and and it took place at at a, at a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the set pieces are there. What. I uh, what I was struck with as seeing this uh, Seven Samurai after Magnificent Seven, and again with comparisons and just uh, yeah we'll 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 probably we'll get we'll talk to that we'll We'll get get into that but just 
there's just so many things that made me think, you know, like, I've seen that before, I've seen that before, and uh, for a movie that was released in 1954, I was like, this is it, this is uh, this is the shit I've been missing. Well, it's a 60-year-old movie now, I mean, so many people have drawn from it, so it seems almost, I don't want to say derivative, but... It's hard to watch the originator so and realize. But, but, you, now, yeah. but from the entirety of the movie, it's not like you're like, it's not like... I'm I'm I feel like I'm so accustomed to seeing movies now and being being nerdy and and IMDb enough about movies to mm-hmm. know about when a certain bit is 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 scooped up. And right. we mentioned Tarantino at the beginning, you know, who that that asshole like is shameless <laughs> and like drops it in there. Even the new But he'll tell you he's shameless. He'll 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 he will. He's totally unapologetic. Oh, yeah. And 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 now like even we go to Into Darkness, Star Trek. And any, any, all right. So any any review of it, any review of it that's out right now is talking about the nods, the winks, the subtle humor to the original. You're like, well, all right. So it's still a, a bit, you know, plagi- a little plagiaristic, but it's it's a it's you know a handshake, a hug, yeah. whatever the fans. Well, that's also an almost fifty year old franchise. I mean, yeah. Same thing old. with James Bond films. Sure, sure, I mean, sure. Hell, the most recent James Bond film ends with a huge homage to like the first fifteen. Right, and the motherfucker drives an Aston Martin with an ejector mm-hmm. seat. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my point being is that Hoping. what's great is that this movie had almost all of them in it, from from the the big ride up crest of the enemy coming over after like looking, yeah. looking, mm-hmm. looking. Mm-hmm. Um, Gandalf returns. You have the assemblage of a team mm-hmm. that 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 resonates from this movie, and again, we'll get into seven, Magnificent Seven, but all the way to Ocean's fucking Eleven. Uh, to the Avengers. To the to, Avengers. Yeah, mm-hmm. To anything, you know, and just uh, you have you have the oppressed people who I mean, you mentioned the three amigos. Why that didn't pop into my fucking head? <laughs> yeah, it's the three shitting amigos. Oh yeah, yeah. without like the hands Right. You know, it's it's and, and, it's an unself-aware three amigos. And I think that anyone and and my 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 overall impression of this one is that anybody who loves movies, anybody who who really digs movies, who who wants to get a, it scratched. And just be like smiley and nerdy about it. And who has an afternoon to kill hmm. would really glom a lot out of the Seven Samurai. Yeah, you know, it's a pillar. Oh, I think it there, is a big pillar. There, there's something about what you mentioned reminds me of um, something I wanted to bring up for it. There's a theory I read it in um, Roger e, Roger Ebert's uh, Great Movies reviews, mm-hmm. where which are just fantastic and have led me to a lot of terrific films and a lot of films that were good in ways that made me want to kill myself. Ali fear eats the soul. So he he mentions in this a theory. I don't think it's his. It it's probably just a general. I think he kind of just theory. posits it. He right. throws it out there. Yeah, I, but I don't know if he's originating it there or if he's like mentioning what critics talk about when they're at a bar together because that sounds like fun. Um, that Seven Samurai may have invented the trope where an action movie opens with the lead character doing something incredibly badass that is unrelated to the main plot. In this case, killing a thief and saving a hostage kid, and is now in almost every action movie to the point where the only question is, will it be unrelated or will it secretly be related and Mm -hmm. figure out it later? But this was the one where they said, you know, we really need to show how good this guy is before he gets into the situation this Mm -hmm. movie's about. And if that invented that idea, that's... Huge, and we could—I mean, and literally, we could—we could go through the tropes of every single one of these oh, fucking yeah. characters: romantic kid, uh, the one fucking machine badass, mm-hmm. and that—that mm-hmm. that, for me, my—it it just appealed to my martial spirit. The two guys with sticks, 
not Shania, not Bokan, not, not Wooden Sword, not anything. They had sticks, and they were just going to see who could do the first strike. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the two samurai who were watching, like a bunch of spectators are like, I know, it's no fucking contest, you know, like two gamblers, you know, we might right. as well be slipping bucks back and forth. Yeah, and you can and then, tell it's the and audience. You, and you just, and the guy just had that quiet, like, Okay, so you're the you're the one that the Simpsons even makes fun of, like, oh, Marge, come on, the quiet guy standing over there is about to do something. Yeah, and he and you're like, and he's just like, oh yeah, I killed you like 17 ways from Sunday, well, and the oh, guy God. gets pissed, and you're like, oh, well, this is gonna, gonna you're what, dead as what shit, is dude. Terry Pratchett's Discworld had what is it, Rule Four? Like, if there's a tiny Asian man who you're getting into a fight with, and he has no weapons, and he's 70 years old, and he's smiling, he will kill you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he yes. has invented a form of martial arts, and he's going to rip you in half. That's the rule. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's it. And that's why I'm like, God, this movie has, every, you know, the kind of the bumbling over-the-hill samurai who's good-spirited, you know? Mm -hmm. You've got you know, you got your stoic leader, young guy, badass. And, like, they ever, and, and the crazy... They're also well-defined. That's what makes yeah. it so great. Yeah, it's not like, you know, it, it's not like a bunch of, like, just foot soldiers... It's, they all bring their own individual personalities. Mm -hmm. And so that when any one of them falls, spoiler, which they do, because Seven Samurai aren't going to stay up against it, 40 guys. It ain't Seven Samurai at the end. And yeah, it's with, not like they're super powered or anything. Right. And with their, it's with, not the Avengers. Against like the three fucking muskets, you know? That was like the big thing, three muskets. And you're like, no, right. we have, yeah, these S words, you know? It's like, oh. but Oh, yeah, we should probably mention this movie takes place in the late 16th century. Right. Uh, and Not many guns. Some guns. Some guns. And Couple. they just—they all—they all show their quality. Yeah. By the end of the movie, and I love that. It's not like there's wasted shit characters. Everyone is fascinated by every single one of these. Mm -hmm. And I think nowadays, if a good ensemble movie does their job, and they—they they tip their hat to the seven or to the Seven Samurai, you'll have a movie who has an ensemble. And more power to you if you have a huge ensemble. Soderbergh did it with the first Ocean's Eleven. I, I'm, I'm positive because you can't watch that movie and be like, even the, the tiny characters like Scott Kahn yeah. and fucking Casey Affleck are still, as the Turk brothers, are goofy and fun to watch, all the way up to like Brad Pitt and George Clooney. And you have these guys to watch. I'd also like to point out in our exchanges, before we move on, that these guys had a problem figuring out which one Toshiro Mifune was? That was my mistake. I prepared <laughs> no, but I totally went with that. Yeah. Because I was I, like, oh, that's Toshiro Mifune, okay. Yes, I... I so I'm, I'm focused on... You, you thought it was Kanbei. Yes, the I discovered leader. halfway through the movie, due to you checking IMDb, that I have been thinking of Toshiro Mifune in the wrong role for ten years. So, like, we're watching the whole thing, and, like, Toshiro Mifune's character, his real character... Yes, uh, the one who's Chio, playing in real life. The, 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 the crazy, goofy, uh, loose cannon yep. yeah. samurai. He's doing all this crazy shit, and I'm like, who is this guy? What is he doing? Ah! And then I was like, I'm gonna look up these people on IMDb just to see how old they are and if any of them are alive. And I was like, Brian, Toshiro Mifune isn't Kambe. In my defense, <laughs> in my defense, this was the first Toshiro Mifune movie I ever saw, so I didn't know what he looked like yet. And I assumed that the top build guy in the movie was the leader of the Seven Samurai. <laughs> I think that's a reasonable assumption Absolutely to make. Reasonable. It's true. Especially because it's true. he, it was in 54? I mean, he he's done a lot of stuff, and a lot of it has been amazing. And a lot of his shit was because yeah. he was like, just like... Uh, but that was still, that was relatively early on in his career. It's pretty impressive he got top billing in a movie where he's not playing the leader. Just like, well, just like Klaus Klinski was, was the muse for Werner Herzog, mm. you know? Uh, uh, Mifune was the sort of the muse that uh, Kurosawa admitted he he found. And that was my favorite piece of well, trivia. Kurosawa, like... 
depended on a lot of actors throughout his yeah. career. Yeah, well, when he was watching the big, he said that Mafune came in there and like raged and threw chairs during the audition and like screamed and rah, rah, and threw things. And he said he was such a whirlwind of energy. And then finally at the end of it, he fell into his chair, just stared at the audition table, like panting. And I thought, well, that's one way to fucking do it. Right. I, mean, I was I, call, I, I, I was calling him the bro samurai in my head because I was totally <laughs> the bromerai. The bromerai, yes, exactly. Uh, but like after we had that realization, I was paying more attention to him. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you're awesome, dude. I like you a lot more now because you have a name attached to you, which is just uh, one of those things your brain does when they yeah. actually like put a celebrity yeah, that you actually... like to a to a character. I got that a little bit too because Tishir Mufune is in my top five. As actors, and partly because I saw this, and then a few years later I saw Rashomon, and him and Rashomon is incredible. Now, and, and I just want to do one last before we before we bump on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to also point out that you uh, just did a last one. No, no, this is, uh, this <laughs> I is also have a last the one. new new last one. Uh, I, I like the I like the idea that they try to do samurai movies now, uh, western ones like uh, Last Samurai, mm-hmm. and they are. It's not. Bad. I'm not saying the movie is bad. Uh, but I'm anyway, another white man comes in. He's right, a better samurai right, right, than right. Great freaking white warrior. Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, people will be more like, like this is a great. You know, this is. I actually like the Last Samurai, and it's and it's very action packed, and it does move forward very well, mm-hmm. and it does actually give it does actually give a very good slice of life to the training involved in in work in doing sword work, right? Which is. And you almost never put that thing down your entire day. And that's what they show from, like, your childhood until adulthood. Um, and it is one of the few modern samurai films that isn't completely stylized. The Crouching right. Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Running on Bamboo. There's nothing slow. There's, there's, there's Western mentality versus Eastern. It's great. And then you have this one. I think that's, that's why I was like, wow, this is such a ponderous piece that you need to, I think. I, for me personally, I needed to, like, take a minute. Take a breath and just like. So interesting that you use the word ponderous because that's not a word I would use for it because I'm engaged even in the moments where you would consider it to be ponderous. And when when I hear ponderous, I hear this is shorthand for the moments where we are talking about the human drama between people. Right. Like it's sort of it's sort of the argument when you're talking about in the Avengers when they have those down moments where they're just interacting and people being like, oh, I hate those parts parts of the parts of the movie. Where's the action? That that bothers me because I would rather watch them. Clearly, I should have paired Seven Samurai with the Avengers. I think. Well, I mean, it's it's not a bad. No, I'm I'm thinking things now. And I think that I think there's also like, but I don't. I'm not bothered by them. But there is like a certain thing where you're like, you know, now what they would do. There's a gravity to them. Yes, it's yes. the, The warfare, a lot of it is psychological, which means a lot of sitting around and going, we flood this field. Then they can't come from this direction. We put a rock here, and then he'll trip on this rock. You could call it procedural if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, but the procedural is like really... I mean, they get into the minutia of what they're doing, and then they act out on it. They say, this is what we're going to do. Then they do it. And then and nowadays you see a movie, and it's like... You'll see like the, the big dissolve where they're like... As one person falls on camera, you'll see a hand here like do like the number... like crossing out number and here's a crossing out another number personal fall and this is the montage to get us to like the final battle now it's like you almost you almost see outside the big fire at their fort like every single 41 of them fall Mm -hmm. and what what still kept me involved is that i'm like all right we got seven samurai now six and they've got like 20 odd people left Every one that they fell is a big fucking deal. Yeah. You know, it's like... But we, they, they still have to do the math. Like, we can't pay 
one samurai for five warrior for five bandits because that's too high a price. There'll still be bandits left over at that rate. Mm-hmm. God damn it, that's a good point. I was always just seeing that as a as a simple battle where you're like they're not worrying about them. You're worried about the economics. I'm worried mm-hmm. about like the fact that do we have enough dudes who can like loose ourselves on these people mm-hmm. who can do the kyodo and like like take them out with arrows and and yeah. yeah. And they still have two guns, you know, which... Right. Muskets. Long-range weapons. Either hit nothing or you're dead, so... Yep. Muskets. Um, So my last thing, before we move on, is... Are we we really doing one last thing for everybody? You'll get your one last thing. No, Michael took mine. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, good. So it was one last thing. It just wasn't his. (laughs) Yes. All right, that works. So my one last thing um, is... I was in... One of the things that also very much impressed me with Kurosawa's direction in this is a couple of moments specifically where really cool stuff happened off-screen and you had to picture it. There was what he did to kill the thief in the beginning, just free the boy hostage. Mm-hmm. And then there was the moment where the um, the really cool stoic warrior who's doing this just for the perfection of his art um, goes out of camp, disappears for hours. He leaves in the middle of the night and he comes back at dawn to try and get one of the muskets. And he comes back and he has a musket, hands it off, scratch off two more. Then he goes and sits down and takes a nap, which just, he was gone for at least three, four hours easily. Kills two guys, comes back with a musket. Whatever happened out there in that time period is the coolest action movie I've never seen. And now they joke about that. Now when people come back in a movie that's like, action, 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 when they come back, they're like, what happened? And it's like, also like a little like flute will play, and they're like, Ooh, well, if it was a Zack yeah. Snyder film, you would know exactly what happened in that film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's, the, that's the thing about it that impresses me, is the movie is very long. He shows a lot of stuff. He shows all the steps, but he knows what not to show. Mm-hmm. He knows that if he doesn't show this moment, A, it's cheaper to film. B, we're all just going to imagine a, a samurai creeping through total darkness as quietly as he can, being a ninja killing two guys and coming back with a musket, which presumably is not kept by watchmen, is kept in the middle of their camp. Right. Because that may, that makes a lot more sense. That's treasure But right we have there. to guess. Right. We have to guess at exactly what happened, but we know it was cool. I don't have a last thing, but I think we should take a break and then Okey-doke. talk about Magnificent Seven. Very well. Let's do it. Bang, bang. This is Double Bill, and we support online pornography as a concept. Yeah, they said they should do it. Yeah, I know. They said if they did with every single website that had to do with online pornography, there'd be no websites left for the one website that said, bring back online pornography. <laughs> 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 All right. And we're back. Welcome back to Double Bill, where we're discussing the Seven Samurai and the Magnificent Seven. I've got Joshua Humphrey, Brian Watson-Jones, and myself, Mike Postle. Um, if you're just tuning in now, we're going to be discussing the Magnificent Seven. Also, if you're just tuning in now, how does that work? We've, you, they you, got very lucky on the scroll button and just plunked it right huh, there. That's amazing. We're impressed with you. Yeah. Well, if you didn't like the Seven Samurai, which means you're a Eurocentric snob... <laughs> I hate Kurosawa films. Everything he does is crap. I don't want to read while I'm watching a movie. They swords. speak a language I know. Fuck swords. I like guns. Well, we've got the movie for you. Hey, and it's in English. So it's what a- happens in this movie is basically the same thing that happened in the last movie we talked yes, about. It- so even if you are tuning in right now, you have to go back and listen to that description. Right, yep. because we're not going in depth. It's sort of the best of the previous movie. It is, yeah. sort of. Instead of forks over knives, we've got guns over samurai swords. And... Mm-hmm. Um, 
right now we have yeah the exact same the template is almost the exact same yeah except we have uh very popular uh, in terms of like that the genre actors of the time um john Sturgis, I, don't, I don't even think they were popular at the time like all of them were all of them but their Steve body of work McQueen, after the league they got definitely. more and more famous as yeah. they went on it, it was a good it was either a so it looks a lot better of stars or it was a jumping off point of future stars that's true oh yeah well again like you know we look at we look at i was talking about uh Ocean's Eleven, you know, mm-hmm. the joke The joke in Ocean's Eleven at the very top, there was a scene where Brad Pitt and, and George Clooney's characters are walking away from, after teaching uh, young up-and-coming WB actors how to gamble for their movie roles, and as they're leaving, all these mobs are coming into Topher Grace and, like, getting his autograph, and they're kind of enjoying the fact that nobody's bugging them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've got this temple movie where Matt Damon is, like, the third, but then you've got, like, a cast that's made of, like, Carl Reiner, who's, like, you know, over the hill... Mary Tyler Moore show, and I and I mentioned um, you've got fucking Scott Con, James Con's mm-hmm. kid, and, and mm-hmm. Casey Affleck, the non Ben Affleck, uh, who and both these guys actually. What an know, odd affliction to yeah. put on his last name. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry, Josh. I'm li- sorry, Josh lived in Okinawa for three years. By the way, um, in Japanese, affliction. Japanese puns, affliction. <laughs> They uh, love puns, actually. Yeah, I believe it. All right, so um, anyway, the point... We, I mean, we the point, love puns, too. We just we feel bad about it. We, so. Puns are appreciated through the pain you feel in your stomach, <laughs> not through laughter. No, that's called a punch. Um, Whoa! That's in the face and throat. Uh, so I loved the shit out of The Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. I loved the swelling. I mean... And I, I, I'm not going to call it a soundtrack on The Seven Samurai, but like in The Magnificent Seven, it still like utilized the music score to like really kind of get the swells going, you know? Yes. Uh, it does spoon feed a lot of the plot points to you more so in, in the movie than they do. Like, like you'd said uh, previously, the villagers got raided. The, the bad guys were like, we're going to do this again in a couple months. See ya. Mm-hmm. And giving them enough time to say, well, we need to go buy some guns. But, you know, instead of, you know, the... The uh, the the what's happening is they're going to find is supposed to like somebody's like well, the, they meet Yul Brenner's character and Yul Brenner's character's like instead of buying guns which is expensive uh, why don't we go ahead and get yourself some gunslingers mm-hmm. and uh, that's what they do and they start they start with him they're like well you that's just suggesting to you and he's like no no and that's that action scene that we were yeah. talking about that's kind of uh, separate from the main po- plot the, right the uh, the people who are from this Mexican village who are just white people painted slightly red it seemed like to me oh. The lead, the lead, <laughs> the lead Mexican gang member, the lead, yes. like the, the hot-headed kid who is supposed to be part Hispanic, you know, the one mm-hmm. who lives at the end. He, he's German. Yeah. <laughs> well, Calvera, the right. he's, he's Eli Jewish. Wallach. Eli Wallach, <laughs> not just Jewish, yeah, not just New York Jewish. <laughs> yeah. God damn, Eli Wallach, that guy, still going. Yeah, he is. He, when, when they did the when they did the yeah. when he did the good, the bad, and the ugly, they remastered it uh, in two thousand and three for mm-hmm. an anniversary piece. He came back to do Tuco's dialogue. <laughs> awesome! And they interviewed him on NPR, and he's like, he was like, yeah, I came back. He goes, what? Oh, he goes, like, do I sound any different? He goes, I was tired. I came into a studio, didn't lay down my track. It was great. And you're like, <laughs> go Tuco. <laughs> All right. So anyway. Um, it, it was just, it was really cool. I thought it was really cool. I like this film. I like it. It's yeah. fun. It's it just is, fun. It's, good, it's a good time. Yeah. Yul yeah. Brenner is a total badass. Holy crap. 
I was like, as much as to- Toshiro Mofune in the first film is a badass, Yul Brenner's character here is just oozes yeah. charisma. Well, yeah, and, and James Coburn is the mechanical perfecting himself. Yeah. The guy who brings a switchblade knife to a duel with guns. To a gunfight. And wins. And wins. <laughs> that's and that's something by He is just a slim dude. Yeah, he's James a real. There. He's, he's a, a tall, real. yeah. And to think he like ended up going on movies like Affliction later on that we all saw him in like with Nick Nolte and went in like Academy Award nominee for that shit. And then you have fucking uh, oh, Death Wish himself, Charles yes. Bronson, and now he played a lot of the same characters in a lot of those, a lot of those movies. You know, mm-hmm. like in but the the guy who always had just a couple of words for the kids and don't talk to me right now, kid. I'm talking out of the corner of my mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're just like, and, but I got no time for you, kids. I got no time, but for you. you all love me, and I love you, but I won't say anything. Yeah, he was fantastic, and but you know, and Steve McQueen is oh, is Steve. literally. Is the acme of cool, and mm-hmm. I've I've been reading a lot more about him lately. And he, as a as a dude, just in Hollywood, is fucking gnarly. The guy would race fucking cars, race motorcycles, come shoot a movie, go home to his in like walk around. And Life magazine said he goes. They're like, we had a problem like taking pictures of him because he never wears clothes and he's always smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, so we couldn't really pimp him as a role model. <laughs> And he's like, hey, baby, I want to make enough money to be groovy, have enough grass to hang out and swim. And you're like, well, 1960s Steve McQueen, life is pretty tough. <laughs> he had to figure it out. Yeah, he had to figure it out. He was, but he was pretty cool. And yeah, they, they follow the same thing. They, they, you knew that, I guess, spoiler, you kind of knew, you kind of knew going in that they wouldn't really get rid of the coolest motherfuckers in the cast. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and I felt... Well, they were the ones who were clearly the big names before. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Brenner McQueen, and then Mr. Hotty Toddy, German slash Hispanic, but not really painted red. Right, brown. Brown. So, um... Get your, get your racial stereotypes right. My racial stereotypes, correct. I know, my bad. Um, it's all right. We forgive you. But, you you know, brought it up in the first place. Yes, I know. But, but let's... I mean... They they are almost the exact same, and they they finish with the exact same beats. You know, they they have the same pulse through them. Um, and they, they they do. Magnificent Seven carries the beat just a couple of seconds longer. Like, you think so? Yeah. Well, mainly with the kid, because at the and we're getting into comparisons a little bit, so I won't go too in depth. But at the end of Seven Samurai, the the uh, the young samurai who sexed up the village girl and <laughs> ruined her honor and everything. Uh, is looking at her meaningfully, and then they talk about, we all lost the end. And at the end of Magnificent Seven, he's looking at her meaningfully, and then um, Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen go, go on, go back there, you idiot. Mm-hmm. And he goes back life. and joins the village, presumably, joins the village and marries her, and all life is good for them forever. They still have that loss speech, though. Like, we were... Our yeah, the they still have that won. loss. We but always they, lose. They, the farmers won. Maybe it's just the kid, but there's a resolution there. Oh yeah, there where is there isn't right. seven there, samurai. Right. Where they all write like, off. This class exists between us forever, and I can't love you because we were born as we are. And that's yeah. I mean that says a lot about that kid and that and you know getting back to the film. and about the culture it came. Oh well, yeah, yeah, I think that's a lot culture. about like class like differences. Yeah. Like, Not just that, together. but it's 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 sort of uh, it's sort of like you know joining you know joining the priesthood. He, if he's going to become a samurai, he's got to dedicate his life to service, mm-hmm. and he's got to dedicate his life to the sword, and he's got to like cut off the Jedi. You know, he's got to cut off those those ties of love. And if he's going to do that, he's going up, and the samurai's like, no, no, no. At the beginning, he's like, no, no, no. And at the very end, you know, the kid's like, I've seen my shit. You know, I've mm-hmm. I've I've had to test my chops. Been I've been through my war. I've been through my war. 
And they're like, all right, you know, well, we lost, la da da, and they all ride off in the sunset. And you're like, oh, that's sad. But no, then Hollywood grabs a hold of this five years, six years later, and then boom, it's like, get out of here, kid. Go wet your carrot, you know, or whatever they fucking say back then. And next thing you know, it's like those two ride off, and you're like, the cool guys have to go. Why would you want a wet carrot? I know, the guy, you know, mm. it's got, you got Professor Xavier and uh, Danny Ocean run off into the sunset. <laughs> well, that's it. I'm starting to Kickstarter to get that movie going. Woo! It has to happen. Right? You heard it here first, folks. Fuck you, Zach Braff. Uh, anyway. Oh. <laughs> Great. I've had enough Zach Braff in the last two weeks. Well, now we've lost him as a listener. Time. Why are you guys Great. constantly sabotaging our audience? Great. we got enough problems. So anyway, that was Sorry. probably the easiest easiest way to surmise that movie. Um, yeah. What other beats in that movie that we missed out on? Is there anything that we should talk about? Uh, well, Magnificent Seven by itself. By itself? Well, when they're, when they're kicked out. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things I remember when they were first kicked out, when they ride back, uh, and the uh, the the gang is there, and they're like, "Hey, why are you wasting your time?" It, for me personally, it felt like when they they're like, "Get out of here! You don't want to waste your time on these guys." There was no real supremely violent like, "I'm gonna kill these five people to show an example." Now leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Eli Wallach was like supre- like really magnanimous almost. He was just like, yeah. he's like, "You guys are hired guns." These people are worth it. Get lost. Well, I think uh, Eli Wallach in that scene is talking about them being two sides of the same coin. Right, yeah. right, Well, right. yeah, he's, he's doing that thing. It's like, You're, we're very alike, you and I. That, mm-hmm. that thing that every movie has. Yeah, yeah. Every 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 movie that tries to have an interesting villain has to be the, the evil, malicious form of the hero. Where it's, but it's still recognizable. Hunter and Red Dragon. They had the same yeah. damn speech in Well, it. everything. It, when Captain Kirk goes up against a Romulan... As that speech, like, yep. we're very like you and I. In another universe, I might have called you friend. <laughs> ah! But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, but I still feel like, I guess, my, my jaded maybe desire for more violence, movie going, not movie goer. We'll watch Saw next. How's that? No, I just saw The Collector. Yeah. No. Off topic. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I was like, they were let off. Really fucking easy, mm-hmm. and it gave them enough time to like go off and do the eighteen plan, which I call it because literally like the whole like what are you gonna do? Well, we're gonna ride back there and we're gonna kick some ass, yeah. you know. And you're like, okay, give them enough time to plan, and then uh, and then yeah, and then because these guys are all seven gunfighters without honor, you've got the guy that does come back, Deus Ex Machina, and like you said before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he rides back in literally to be a distraction, right? Just to get his shit killed. He, he rides back in and he lives for another sixty seconds. He rides back in. I'll save you, Chris. Bang, bang. He's shot. He's down. They have a death mm-hmm. scene. He's dead. And we didn't have. Uh, we did not have a uh, PTSD pen and anxiety yeah. attack stricken samurai in the Seven Samurai. Yeah. But we did have Robert Vaughn, the man from mm-hmm. Uncle, who. I felt you know was when they were. I mean, what it felt like in in. Magnificent Seven is that they were cobbling together a team of a real what they did and like it's a real band of misfits. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like in, in Seven Samurai, they were seven fucking samurai. They were all still samurai, and you're like, that's the through line with all these. Samurai. I really wanted to know more about Ron's yeah, character. Yeah, and so like, they were but, just what what his mood was. I mean, he was dark. It's a dark mood that hangs mm-hmm. over that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this black like, what's his story. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what fucked yeah. you up so much? Right, right. What did yeah. you see, man? Right. Can and, you tell me? And I think, know. but again, that's like Kurosawa does. You know, you don't have to give a lot. You just, mm-hmm. you just know this guy is like 
they all mention and give lip service to the fact that he's he's good and he's good enough to be with us. And you're like, well, he's good enough to be with the the number of people in the movie. We got our seven. Here. Yeah, that's a check. Right. Yeah, and but but up until that, you're like, he's fucking useless as an asshole. In yeah, elbow. he hides in the back of fights. He doesn't. He just yeah. looks around, but doesn't actually pull his gun for half right. of them. But when he does, yeah, when he does. He does it in spades, and you're just and and when and when I remember watching with my friend, we looked at it and he goes in that room, and we just went, woo! And it was like literally one of those movies, like that's why, yeah, that's why we needed to see it, and they gave it to you. So that, it could have been he, he could have been a useless be. ass, and like, when he killed, you're like, good, good, good riddance. But now you're like, you're pulling your weight. That's why. Yeah, before he had the psychological baggage to him. This is what he did all the time. Mm-hmm. That was him. He was a force before. And now he's just tied down with all the fear and the enemies he's got, presumably, if they're real, hunting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and I think that's the other thing. Seven Samurai had like a bunch of that, the stoicism versus the other, you know, the beats were, mm-hmm. you know, a very colorful cast. A very colorful cast. Yeah. So, yeah, those will get in the connections. But Right. Uh, the other, I mean, the other beats were, yeah. The other thing here that I wanted to talk about is the bandits were actually, like, sort of characters. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they, how many lines did the bandits have throughout all of Seven Samurai? Like, five? Three? Four? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they talk about them at the beginning, and then I think they say a couple of things. Well, here they're characterized via Colvera. Right. So, I mean, is it Colvera? I think so. Colvera? Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach. Yeah. Eli Wallach's character. Yeah, he has more lines in the first three minutes of the film than the bandits do in Seven Samurai. Some of the, some of the gunmen yeah. have less lines. But you know what the thing is? Also, do you think that the uh, the bad guys, you know, I mean, but all right, we're 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 dripping into comparisons already. Yeah. So. I think that's the nature of this. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to talk about the when second you talk one about the first itself. one and then the second one. Yeah. Right? So I think right. when uh, when we get into something that's a little bit more different from each other. Uh, that'll be much easier yeah. because we'll have actually time to like summarize with this as a summarize. The summarization is like it's the same as the last movie. Right. So I mean, we it's a, most a little that. different. We, yeah, yeah. a little bit, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's the same piece. Yeah. Well, did they? I mean, definitely. Uh, uh, let's talk about bad guys because bad guys are are nowadays like what we all kind of like hold. Yeah, the we to. want Hans Gruber. We don't want just anonymous wave of Nazis. Right, right. We want to unless they're zombies, then it's fine. We want to have like unique and and interesting, compelling uh, villains. So. Mm-hmm. We we mentioned that in Seventh Samurai, like they have almost no dialogue, and then yet they do have you yeah. know even even abstract characterizations in Magnificent Seven. My question is, who are the more effective group? Like who is? I mean, I feel like there was a more military aspect in Seventh Samurai, and they're a bit more cannon foddery in Magnificent Seven. Like you know, they when they rode in, like guns can always like. Psh- People can yeah. fall and fly, and like more waves will come in, and and then there was it was so much more deliberate in Seven Samurai. Like they had to keep track of everyone. Yeah, well, they're they're like a well, the sword is a nature. deliberate we- deliberate weapon. It's an intimate weapon. Yeah. It is. It's very much very much so. And like I mean, Cat and Father, Cat and Father that you mention in this Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. it's that they. Guns. It's just it's the right. guns. It's the difference. Well, yeah, when utility some of, the, of them. When some of the magnificent seven fall, we have no idea who shoots them. Yeah, they exactly. might be hit by friendly fire. For all we know, mm-hmm. they, they're just they're standing. They're doing stuff. A bullet hits them. We don't see the guy who shoots them. We don't see if it's a. But actually, Calvera in the Seven Samurai, that could happen too. Well, because the, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening on mm-hmm. screen in terms of like the villagers whacking at things, them falling on the in the mud. They could skewer themselves on their own goddamn right. sword. Well, and the first the first guy that fell. Uh, when they burnt in Seven Samurai, mm-hmm. when they torched the the 
the the right, enemy the, hideout. The first samurai that falls and is shot, and he is shot. It's not you know now. I mean, even in in the movie like this, as soon as like a shot comes, you know, the body ratches up, the arm flies up, and you hear like the horns, and they're like, damn, and like everybody's like, and somebody comes in like, and there's it's punctuated. Be, yeah, there's yeah. a there's gonna be a vengeance guy. This one in Seven Samurai, it was just like you're the guy fell, Done. and like you saw like it was like shot from what distance? These two guys run up, grab the body, go 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 go, and it's like. Yeah, they just treated it like a thing. Well, in in Seven Samurai, one of the guys falls off screen, and they carry him, and they're like, "Oh, he's dead." Yeah, he doesn't get a, a dramatic get death moment, a noble death, making you know? out with a wall as he dies. Well, if you want to talk about Avengers, none of the Avengers die, right? Right. So uh, what has to happen in that film is Coulson has to die. Hey, and guess what? I watched a trailer for earlier today. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw it. Section seven. Uh, so Don't like touch Lola. that moment though right. is really punctuated, and they hit it as hard as they fucking can. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because where else are they going to get it from in that? Well, movie? it's also called the Avengers. Magnificent Seven is seven guys who are really good. The Avengers have to avenge something. That's, That's true. what the word means. Yep. So let's get into comparisons, but let's. we're going to take a break. Okay. And then we'll get back. It's a very good time for a break. And we're back. Uh-huh. We're going to get into comparisons now. We got into it a little bit already. Right, it's inevitable. But uh, we're going to, before we get into that, we're going to try to combine both of the movies into a one-sentence description. Because why not? Because why not? Here's mine. Low cast needs the help of the high cast. Both movies. Mine is three amigos, but real. <laughs> We should have we should have done a haiku. It would have been justified. <laughs> God damn. Cliche, Michael. Cliche, cliche. But justified cliche. And there's nothing better. All right, so <laughs> one sentence. Um, Wait, I just came up with a haiku. Michael, that's cliche. Michael, but Michael doesn't care. I screwed up. <laughs> awesome. Well, but Michael's turn is. It doesn't matter if it is samurai swords, wakizashi, rifles and guns, uh, ensemble action movies, rock the house. I always try to go minimalist. I'm very, I'm very much a minimalist person. In terms of your sentence, yeah. one, one, one sentence? Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a run-on sentencer, it's so... All good. It's all good. And I'm sorry. We do it differently here. He spent time thinking of a fucking haiku. He I did. have my right Well, he thinks on his feet, really. Yeah. Hold on, I'll come up with a sonnet. Uh, 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 Comparisons. Where do we want to start with comparisons? Besides them being basically the same goddamn movie. Right. Well, okay, um okay, so here's here's something. It it was an interesting thing for me. In Magnificent Seven, they humanized the villains a lot more. Like mainly with Eli Wallach having a personality and speeches and lines longer than five words. So in that way they made the villains a lot more interesting. They made them mm-hmm. people, like starving people who are thieves, but if they don't steal, like, they literally will die in the mountains this winter because they have no food. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it made the villagers much simpler because in Samur- Seven Samurai, they are so much darker. They do kill wandering ronin and steal their shit. They, they um, what else? They drive out the... There's a scene where the father curses the girl who sleeps with a samurai, mm-hmm. doing the whole, like, you're not a virgin and therefore... Yeah, the, the villagers women. in Magnificent Seven seem much more naive. Yeah. Well, there's just... 
I mean, it, it's explicitly in Seven Samurai, the villagers are hiding food. They're hiding all their good shit from the samurai. And it, uh, Toshiro Mifune calls him out on that, and it gets revealed the night before the big battle. They bring out all the good stuff and eat it, because what are we saving it for? Uh, and in Magnificent Seven, nothing of that. In Seven Samurai, uh, there's a point in both movies where the, a scouting party of the raiders... They feed the Magnificent Seven, though, really well. Yeah, they feed them really well. But they're not hiding the good stuff. Okay. They don't have a roast That's pork, true. a roast pig hiding under one of the barns. Right. Um, in both movies, uh, there's a raiding party of ra- of the ba- the villains who shows up, and then the good guys have to fight them off, and then they go, oh, they're getting close. There's a raiding party, but we got some time because it's just a raiding party and not everybody. In Magnificent Seven, they just kill all three. They mean to take one alive, but they don't get the chance. In Seven Samurai, they kill two, take one alive, interrogate him. And then he's executed by the villagers. They let him have their, yeah. their come up and they're yeah. almost he's almost torn apart by a mob, but instead he gets killed by an old woman with a rake who lost her son to raiders. Yes. So there's that's this, right. Oh that scene. Yeah, yeah there's right. this dark moment it's a of slow, revenge. The slow death by garden implement. Yeah, yeah. let her kill was, let her maybe kill it was one a pitchfork with something or a hose. But she just, just hobbles toward yeah, the guy. That, this, that scene also, I think, uh when we talk about deliberation and I said ponderous, mm-hmm. where where Tosiro Mufuni is like in like in the tree and waiting and they're all waiting, the little kid, the kid, the youngest member is like getting so antsy in the pantsy and just <laughs> Mufuni is just like smiling and waiting yeah. and smiling and waiting and you're like some shit's gotta happen eventually, right? So and the coolest a cucumber guy is like I'm gonna sit in this tree and at this root and wait. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything for five minutes, so I'm not gonna worry about it for four minutes. Conservation of energy. I didn't. I didn't like in the Magnificent Seven that they combined Katsuhiro's character and Ku, Kiku Chio's character, like the, who wrote down the character names, the, the one who like actually you know mm-hmm. tried to memorize them. But the the yeah. sensei kid uh, or the yeah they the, they the, conflated the student the kid guys. and then uh, Toshiro Mifune's character, they kind of just combined those two together, right? Because he has those moments of where Katsuhiro in original in Seven Samurai is, you know, very looking up to the the badass swordsman samurai and mm-hmm. like, oh, you're awesome, you're awesome. And Toshiro Mifune's character has his whole jumping scene by himself, but that both of those are part of that other character in yeah. Magnificent Seven, which I was like, ah, I like, in combining them, they muddled them, I mm-hmm. felt, a little bit. I liked how differentiated they were yeah. in Seven Samurai. That's what Seven Samurai did really well, is like differentiating it, those sure, characters. Sure, and not sure. only those characters, every character. Right. Well, Magnificent Seven works harder at making the, the Seven individualistic. Like, they're, they're definitely individuals in Seven mm-hmm. Samurai. But in Magnificent Seven, it's like, this one's Yul Brenner. This one's Steve McQueen. This one's the, the guy who's just really in it for the money. This is the kid. This is the crazy yeah, one. Yeah. Well, they have less time to like spend on these men too. Right. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. Well, then, um, Robert Vaughn's character, the same thing. They took some of his that PTSD. I think was his form of crazy. Mm-hmm. And and I I'd like to take this five seconds here. Uh, all right. So, Toshiro, uh, and I mentioned this to you before. Mm-hmm. Every single ensemble, any ensemble movie from for the last fifty-seven years needs to write a thank you card and leave it outside of his shrine. Yeah. Because that crazy character is the character that is emulated in any ensemble movie from that point forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to go look them up. Uh, and ironically, it's uh, very similar. Dirty Dozen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's Maggot. 
Telly Savalas in uh, Kelly's Heroes. It's Donald Sutherland playing a character named, wait for it, Oddball. <laughs> um, I mean, you get into the contemporary, you get into the contemporary westerns. Kevin Costner in Silverado. His nutty, mm-hmm. hot-headed character is almost the same as young hothead in Magnificent Seven, who is almost the same as the hot-headed uh, Toshiro Mifune who had the fucking eight-and-a-half-foot-long katana. I still don't it's know how like, he draws that. And he drew it, and he wielded it so deftly and lightly, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the balance... Well, he's an athletic man. Yeah. Oh, he, and he was just, like, he was, like, pointing people, like, tell him to go here, put on this, line up over there, like, using it as a, as a conductor's wand. Mm-hmm. And people pay attention to the eight-foot sword well, telling him what no to do. One, and he would just, and he would go, and it wasn't just, like brash melee fighting he was artistic with the damn mm-hmm. thing yeah and from the moment you saw him you're like well he's probably just like grab that shit off the ground right but well yeah when you meet him at first you think he's leroy jenkins he's just crazy. i want to do this he's gonna blitz yeah, yeah, yeah totally but he's actually good at it he's really good at it and that's my my point is that you you just see a lot of this archetypical character going back to his his originating that kind of role mm-hmm. up until that they were fodder lead you know hero but then you get like it's like he he I didn't think that they would have that in a in a very like thoughtful you know beautiful you know everything is like artistically shot Seven Samurai and then you've got like the Tasmanian Devil running around <laughs> mm-hmm. with a sword mm-hmm. and then they put this in the Magnificent Seven and I think that's where what surprised me is is recognizing that that's where all that came from he's Wolverine you know he is he is mm-hmm. he is the loose cannon. That everybody talks about, even in buddy cop movies, he's the the one who's got the chip on their shoulder. Yeah, he's not a team player, but you want him on your team. And you, but he's also you can't help but watch that guy. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, where where Magnificent Seven, where Seven Samurai in general had like all the same, you know, very distinct characters. You yeah. know who they were, uh, and Magnificent Seven. You know, you had your leads. Mm-hmm. You know, your beautiful leads. You you had Toshiro who just. Was the who was really? It's dumb. It's captivating. It's gooby. It's great. Mm-hmm. And he was wonderful to watch, and I'm very grateful to have experienced the fact that I saw what is basically the genesis of that type of character going forward in history. It just it makes like watching them now like makes me smile. It's mm-hmm. great stuff. To wrap this up in a sandwich of my own argument, sure. like Toshiro Mifune's character is definitely the loose cannon of that film, but it's he seen that loose cannon seems neutered. In yeah. Magnificent Seven, Extremely. quite a bit, yeah. which is I, I missed it so much from that film. Mm-hmm. It's there a little bit, but it's not. There's nothing that really stands out. Yeah, to he's me. he's the rebellious teenager. Yeah, that's more what it comes than off the, of. the crazy motherfucker. That's what it comes off. There's as. no. I think that's and you make a you make a valid point. I think Magnificent Seven is lacking a dangerous quality that I felt was pervasive in the first one. Not only was was Seven Samurai, there was I felt like there was a threat of starvation. A, a very bleak feeling, and not just the black and white filmmaking, but it felt like they're eating rice, and these people have rice husks to eat. Right. You know, even if they're hiding food, it's like, man, life sucks. But yeah, this, it had this feel like even if there aren't bandits stealing all their food, they still might not make it through the winter. Right. This but is not in, a good life. But in Magnificent Seven, they're all, or like, you know, hey, Jaws, you know, we got to get mm. the shark out of here, otherwise you guys are going to be on welfare all winter long. It's like, fuck, kill that shark. But in, in, in Magnificent Seven, they practically have a fucking fiesta, you know, and they sit them down, they have a nice little meal, they talk. Prettiest girl in the village goes with the prettiest member of the of the gang. Right. Everything is like honky dory and you just like you have almost no doubt. And Mag- if if you had never seen the Seven Samurai and you walked into it with almost a blank slate, you're gonna think, 
anything goes, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and anything sort of does go. And uh, to to bring this to the uh, the aughts and the teens of the new millennium, uh, I recently watched the the big. 13 Assassins that just came out, you know. Oh, yeah. Sure. Very, very similar template. Extraordinarily similar template. And the Toshiro role is played by a non-samurai who is also, spoiler, uh, survives mm -hmm. with the young guy who, and everybody else dies. And the young guy, when he sees him alive, and he shouldn't be alive after he gets, like, basically, like, he turns into Wolverine. He's like, are you a demon? And he's yeah. just like, he's like, huh! and he runs off in the distance. He's like, not. Nah. Can't even barely hold a sword, so um, totally loved it. Totally loved it. One thing we were making fun of as we were watching the Seven Samurai though was the the love interest, the Shino character, because uh, she sounded like uh, scratching a balloon. Yeah, because it was just like ah, for every emotion, not just fear or sadness. That was fear every and sadness reaction and joy and orgasm. Didn't and they, rage didn't they make and... it in the in the foot the foot fist? Not the foot. The enter the fist. Remember the one with uh, with Odenkirk, uh, Steve Odenkirk, oh, and like the I know one what you're talking the girl about. goes the <laughs> every time that she's like, I just I just and she runs off. That's her uh, like one reaction to everything. It's like, but the oh yeah, the balloon. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, she sounded like that. That was yeah. a good. That was a good comparison. Yeah. It was, it was just with so metaphor. annoying to listen to her. And every time you were just... on, she was on screen, you were like, oh, why are you falling in love with her? What's wrong with you? Well, everybody else is male or It's true. I five. mean, he's... he's <laughs> I think the actor is like 30, but he's, right, he's yeah. playing like 18 or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, it's... It's like Greece. It's medieval it time. I mean, You've got young. like eight women to choose from, and one of them's your aunt. I mean, you... And one of them's a 90-year-old woman with a backhoe who's like... <laughs> <laughs> like, I said oh, you will. Well, I, I know she can bring the pain if she has to. <laughs> yeah, she'll kill her own spiders. I mean, that's a self-reliant woman. Seriously, your venereal diseases have to have died out of old age before you did, right, man? Mm -hmm. We went off on a weird tangent. It's okay. It's all right. We can go there. Anyway. Are you afraid to go there? So more about venereal disease. Double bill. <laughs> so, Double uh, bill, where we get two venereal diseases and compare them. Uh, fight, fight, fight. I think, I mean, I think they were both just, that was a fun double bill. That was a really was fun good. one. I, I, it was Did long. You? Oh my God, oh, yeah. long. Uh, it's a, yeah, that was, my next one will not be as long nor as pretentious. I promise you that. Oh, oh no, no, no. Oh, that's my, yours. My, mine is going to be pretentious. Oh yeah. No, mine was a little, it was artsy. My next one will be less artsy. So there. Less artsy? Yes. Land Before Time and Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> Land Before Time and a ham sandwich. Right. It'll be a little bit of a stretch. A hand I can't time. get the Magnificent Seven theme out of my head, though. Right? Join us, Mikey. I mean, they even use it in Cheers, for fuck's sake. Iconic music. I know, and that's another thing. It's just like... It's so weird. There was that period where Westerns reigned everything. Like, these days, you can't find an actor who lived in New York at any point who hasn't been on Law & Order. In those days, you couldn't find an actor who'd been in Hollywood who hadn't been a villain in a western at some point. That was the work. That was the yeah. work you had back then, man. Yes. I mean, they. I mean, you have you have you have Kurosawa who's doing what they know. You know, mm -hmm. his. I mean, and think about it, that was like one of the first. I think I'm guessing the major, the biggest historical, you know, Japanese samurai movie to date. And I and, and, it, yeah. and if you look behind the scenes, they had their own bullshit struggles. Because what the fuck were they doing up until that point? Gojira, you know, like they were doing right. like 
Well, How I mean, they lost World War Two nine years before. Yeah, mm-hmm. Toho I mean, Studios. It was, kinda, the, it was a rough time. Toho Studios was the, was the only thing you heard about. Big, massive, monster bullshit movies. Mm-hmm. And this guy comes out of the woodwork and, and puts together what I guess arguably be one of the most profound movies, like come together warrior team movies with all the things that we we take for granted now and we see in movies these days. And it's beautiful. And I think there's arguments you can be made. It's a perfect movie. Um, and then seven years later, we do it. It's westernized, and it's still a pretty damn good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're, and we're doing it now with like horror movies. You know, we're taking, we're grabbing the shit out of their ideas, and we're westernizing them. There's a lot of appropriation going on in the yeah, last quite a bit. It, it went it's both amazing, ways. Actually. I mean, Kurosawa made a, a couple of shit. Well, he was criticized films. for this for being too western. I Ooh, think. yeah, mm-hmm. really? Oh yeah, like Rashomon being like weird. Yeah, Ryan. Um, what is it? Throne of Blood is Macbeth. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that the fact that even though he stole it, the '60s, even I mean, the beginning of nineteen of nineteen sixty, there were still westerns being made. But mm-hmm. in terms of the things that were coming out between the twenties and thirties, all the way up until that point, the John Ford stagecoachy bullshit movies with John Wayne, I think they were the bubble was starting to burst about then. because yeah. you know the the whole idealistic era was ending, and we started entering the the gritty car chase urban dramas started like get born. One of the weirdest things about westerns for me, and what really nailed home what a force they used to be, is if you look at like if you make an arbitrary list of the top ten westerns. Seven or eight of them are about the death of the Western. Because mm-hmm. you have Unforgiving, you have the Wild Bunch. High fucking noon. High noon. Shane. Yeah, all... Shane. Well, even this film is bit... about the end of an era. Yeah. yeah well, they're un... because the cowboy era was like five years long and it was influenced by movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. Well, the heroic, the heroic, stoic Western where a guy throws his, you know, pulls his gun faster than the bad guy mm-hmm. is, is, was passe. Now they were making movies. I mean, even the fucking John Wayne movies that were leading up to that point when he was like stepping away from westerns. Right. He was like the. I mean, True Grit came out in like the mid to late sixties. Yeah. Where he was the old fat one eyed guy. Mm-hmm. You know, old guy. Um, Rooster fucking Cogburn was like it's a, they did a follow up movie where mm-hmm. he's the old fat one eyed guy and his one of his last movies before he did the you know before he became the guy that got shot in the back the shootist mm-hmm. you know was he was a retired gunfighter and he had that one last fight in him. You know, yeah. they mean they were making fucking Peter Fonda, the, the kindest, sweetest man, Tom fucking Joe. They turned him into a bad guy. You know, it was becoming a little bit more fatalistic well, yeah, I mean, in their Jimmy in their Stewart was getting darker. Yep, yeah, yep. yep. Jimmy freaking Stewart. Yeah, Pepper Farms remembers Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> well, I, I have well, 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 the name like Schmuckers just gotta be good. I just I I don't know, Mikey. You do a good job of summing up. Is that okay? Yeah, you do. You do well. Do you feel proud of yourself? You should. No, I just... That's... But my... my Maybe it's because you're so old. I am old. I am the senior citizen of the mm. group. I'll be going out for my nickel coffee at McDonald's, my AARP card. Um, so, I think... Yeah, I think that even though it was a, it was kind of a... It was a darker, not like a positive ending Western of the sense, it was still a pretty goddamn good movie. So, yeah. uh, I think the connections, expected and unexpected, were all sort of where we... They were so similar. There's very few outside. Like, oh, the yeah. Modeling so, it's, they're so yeah, there were some interesting really genre changes, maybe cultural changes. Yeah. The yep. whole class thing that Seven Samurai has. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that class thing is uh, it's, present It's in there, but the, the membrane it's between them. Thing thing right. In, oh, yeah. Uh, Magnificent it, it's seven. actually, oh, I mean, looking at it from that standpoint, it's a little weird that the kid decides to stay behind because it. you can read that as, yes, he's not really a gunfighter. He needs to stick with love instead. You can also read it as, yes, he needs to stay with his own kind. Ooh. Yeah. Which is a little 
I mean, maybe I'm I'm doing that as very very whatever era we're in now, post postmodern. What where the fuck are we? I don't know. Um, Somewhere where it's easy to read that stuff into everything, but it it's a little bit there. Whereas in Seven Samurai, yeah, no, you you can't choose. But I think you the capper though, or the, the capper though, on both films is that both those eras are sort of ending, mm-hmm. like whether it be the class. Uh, division in Seven Samurai or the racial division yeah. in uh, The Magnificent Seven. They're, they're sort of coming to an end. Because, you know, uh, everybody is raised up in yeah. both films to a uh, more even playing field. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I mean, what is it, the Tokugawa period in Japan where the the samurai were really starting to die out as a culture and becoming mm-hmm. an ideal? Because there just weren't, you know... People who could afford to have fifty samurai. I mean, what the fuck? They had to. They had to look for hired work. They yeah. weren't. They were so they being utilized by a feudal lord. Yeah, they but turn into bandits because they're hungry. Highest, highest bidder, and the same thing with this group of shoot individual shootists who are, you know, who are cobbled together to fight a, a gang. Like mm-hmm. a t- I mean, it wasn't. A, it wasn't an actual like country invading. It was just a gang of like 40, 50 dudes, like minded dudes who were just. Hungry. You know? Oh, and actually, going back to the racial stuff, that first scene where you meet Yul Brenner. And uh, there's a yes, whole class his, his independent between, badassness because yeah. they're they're they were slaves or no it was in an, uh, an Indian an Indian Na- Native American who yeah died they were going to bury him up in the cemetery and some people didn't want him buried up there with yeah. the white folk right cool and so Yul Brenner's like I'll take the guy up yeah. there and bury him because it's dangerous just to drive the stagecoach across the thing and there's people yeah. waiting for him you know white people white we folk don't waiting. like your kind dead guy yeah and they're waiting to like you know make a scene but mm-hmm. Yul Brenner and I forget which other characters uh, that was um, Steve McQueen Steve, Steve McQueen, McQueen hopped yeah. in there that's uh, how they met that's how, yeah that's how they met and like, like I'll, go with, just, I'll just, go with you they cower up romance. through that and then you know some men join them too I mean so it's this yeah. whole dynamic of like they're yeah there's a couple of guys they're, the they're made better movie. by fighting uh, for the rights of this deceased Indian right who and standing up for yeah. So I don't know what they're standing up for because he's yeah. There. But, right. so. Yeah. So it in that way it's a it's a cooler intro. It's also a less dramatic intro because like yeah, where are we going to put this corpse? Is a little different from there's a kid in there. And yeah, he's been a hostage for most of a day. I mean, there's tension though in that scene. Oh yeah, there, there's a lot of tension. It's in a that very scene. nicely done scene considering they're driving a stagecoach. I love that. I love that scene. I love how actually I like I I actually prefer that mm-hmm. to uh the Seven Samurai and how that begins. Mm-hmm. Like I like yeah. how that I like how that begins. That's legit. Yeah. I can see that. So I think that's about it. I don't know what else we have. Do we have any which did it what better? Or which we... did it better? Mm. My my well, thing which did it better who who had the best badasses? Mm. Well I know Mikey you have a strong opinion on this. I I do. I do and this is and the senior citizen of the group is gonna say I, I I did enjoy the Magnificent Seven. It's my it's my my soft spot, my candy center for uh, for westerns. The the movement of the plot going forward. I really enjoyed the characters. Uh, I don't want to diminish at all the Seven Samurai, but I I enjoyed the Magnificent Seven. Clipped along quite a bit for me, and I yeah, they were just fucking cool. And I have a I mean, cool characters will always make me go woo. Yeah, you know, have that little inner Brian. Uh, if I have to pick between them, and I love I love the badassness of them both, I would go with um, Seven Samurai just because of the bleakness we talked about. These guys are maintaining their badassness, maintaining their honor in a world which is trying to throw them out. Whereas mm-hmm. in um, Magnificent Seven, probably because that sort of class thing doesn't exist as hard because it's America and part of our ideals, as much as we do or do not live up to them, is you can be whatever you want. 
you could see uh, Yul Brenner after his time completely passes, sell, you know, keeping his gun probably, but like opening a general store. Like you could see that happening. Mm -hmm. That can't happen with the samurai. They're not going to end up as merchants. They're not going to end up as farmers. They're, they're done. They're just going to die mm -hmm. if they out their lucky. Their ability to do their job. They'll die fighting if they're lucky. Yeah. yeah. If they're yeah. Joshua. Oh, I have to answer my own question. Yeah. Look at that. There you go. Oh, it's turned back upon me. Go double blade. A dark sword. mirror. Uh, I prefer. I think the Seven Samurai had the better badasses in terms of, and I prefer that movie over Magnificent Seven, not by a large margin. Right. It's very close. But I, mean, I uh, after we were done with both of them, I wanted to turn around and re-watch The Seven Samurai. Which we were not going to do. Which we were not going to do because that it would have been 2 a.m. It was we already a whole work tired. day of movies. Right, right. Yeah. We would have been exhausted. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's where I landed, I think, with The Seven Samurai and Magnificent Seven. I like Magnificent Seven a lot. Oh, but yeah. I wish it had some of the darker, bleaker things that The Seven Samurai did. It, it, there wasn't room for it in that movie. I missed it a little bit. But, yeah, it, that movie wasn't trying to be too complicated. That was the point of it. That was part of what kept it clipping along, is they didn't yep. take the time to go, I guess we're all sort of monsters a little bit. Oh, well. Oh, no. Calvera. On the next double bill, oh, yes. it is my pick. Oh, boy. Ooh. And what have you chosen? Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to push this podcast to its pretentious limits. <laughs> I am picking Cloud Atlas by the Wachowski brothers. Wachowski brothers? Wachowski. I'm looking forward to that. I missed and, it the first time. And right? uh, that will be paired with... Holy Motors, which is a French film. I think it's available on streaming, so you should be able to pick up Holy Motors that way if you can't find it anywhere else mm, on Netflix okay. streaming. Uh, I'm really interested in what you guys have to say about this pairing, because I think it'll maybe fuck your brains a little bit. So Hooray. that's what I'm going for. All right. Brain there fucks. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Everybody out there in podcast land, please share the podcast via Facebook or Twitter. If you like the music in the show, it's by Anna Weggle. You can visit her website at annaweggle.com. Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, ginky desk. Baka guy, Gene, Mike Postel. <laughs> Baka guy, Gene, <Gino. laughs> <laughs>